Should you buy a commercial property or should you stick with residential properties? Hi, I'm Jared Krause. And I'm Sam Powell and we're the hosts of Property Pals Australia. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing when to start thinking about moving into commercial property within your property portfolio. We also talk about opportunity costs of staying in residential and or moving into commercial. Yeah, the importance of uh, focusing on your your end goal and how to get there with less stress is really important for you to continue to enjoy the journey and make great money at the same time. Yeah, we also discuss when and why you should stay in residential property based on your love for residential property and maybe your risk tolerance. Yeah, a big key point we like to just focus on is enjoying the game of property investing, right? Like you want to make it fun, life is there to be enjoyed and we look at how much work you, you like to put into property property portfolio versus, you know, not doing that. Yeah. And we also talk about, you know, challenging the status quo of how many passive income streams is too much and why too many passive income streams might not actually be the best route to follow. So very different to the status quo of like you just need multiple passive income streams for wealth. Uh, we beg to differ in, in some different shades of light there. And before we get stuck in this podcast episode, I want to let you know this is not the only way that we help people for free. We do have our How to Maximize Your Borrowing Capacity mini course, and you can get that at propertypals.au forward slash resources. That helps people increase their borrowing capacity so they can increase the growth of their property portfolio by buying better assets. Let's dive in. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal financial and taxation advice from a qualified professional. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about building a property portfolio and then when do we decide to get a commercial deal in there? Oh, yes. Residential. So, all right. Why, why why start with a couple of residential properties first? If you're going to build a property portfolio, why start with a couple of residentials typically? Typically is you're entering into a market, you're understanding how property works. Mm-hmm. Residential is a bit more easy to get your head around. Mm-hmm. And the emotional buyer helps drive up capital values with residential property. So you're getting that equity uplift into your net worth. And in order to get into a commercial deal, you're generally looking at a 30% deposit. And something that's uh, you know a, a good deal from a commercial aspect, you're sort of looking around that million dollar range. So, not everyone has three hundred thousand dollars to start investing. Yeah, it's a really good point. Most people can. Most people, I mean, will start off in residential because they are not able to get into commercial. Yeah, and yeah. it's different risk appetites as well. Uh, people, they, uh, you know. Commercial is a bit to get their head around. They understand residential because they might have rented a property or they might have lived in a property and there's a lot of information around residential property and uh, the confidence level there is higher because it's perceived as a lower risk mm-hmm. because 
we do need to live somewhere in any kind of down economic downturn businesses can fail whereas people will still need to have a roof over their head in order to survive mm. um, and yeah there, there's a, a lot more to it than that from de-risking it like I still say there's there's high risks in residential as well um, if you're buying on you know the outskirts of town or you're buying into a house and land uh, package area where you've got you know, 100 properties being built around you and of those 130 are going up for rent. Yeah, plug yeah. plugging our, um, go back and listen to our house and land packages, house and land packages episode. Yeah, yeah some good, good details in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, that's I mean that once you understand it, you're de-risking your um, future purchase. Yeah. So get educated. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Education, I think all risk is decreased most risk is decreased by education, right? So then let's just talk about the average investor, right? Somebody that starts off, they buy a commercial, uh, sorry, they buy a residential property. Is it best for them to then start saving towards a commercial deal? Um, and actually, maybe we should maybe we should touch on what entry most people what entry point most people make their move to their first commercial deal and why why have it at a certain range because you can buy commercial deals for 500 grand as well yeah you can right? buy for like 150, 150 200 grand yeah. like it's yeah um it's like anything in australia you could buy a house for like 100 grand yeah um maybe even less it's actually pretty crazy yeah i think over in uh not gladstone geraldton in wa you can buy houses for 120 grand, 140 grand. Yeah. Today, yeah. 2023. Yeah. Crazy. I know Owen, he has property in the UK. He's just selling one. And I'm like, so what sort of like debt levels have you got on those properties? You know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, no. Just own them. Just bought them cash because they're a lot cheaper than, you know, buying flats over there. It's, you know, a lot cheaper than the Australian, um, you know, property market. <laughs> Our economy as well is insane. Like when I speak about, I want to speak to people about the American economy and then like the UK economy and property. Our economy here in Australia is like wildly good, <laughs> wildly yeah. good. Yeah, if you want to, I mean, we're on the commercial side of things, but yeah, I know. It's a bit of a tangent. I always like tangents. If yeah. People don't like me going on a tangent, then maybe it's not the right podcast for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just trying to say that if you live here in Australia, be grateful because it's goddamn good. Yeah. Well, it's just from a, a macro perspective, right? Um, Australia's got a lot of natural resources, so you know your copper, your iron. We've got large farm um, industries with cattle. We've got a massive beef trade that exports to a lot of the world. So, like so from a sustainability perspective, we're quite self-sustainable, and we're an island with a lot of like um, you know positive aspects. And also, our land mass is large compared to our population. So. The rest of the world's obviously compounding on their growth, and you know we're a less developed nation, so people are. You know, you go to Europe, go to America. You see that the populations are quite high mm. for the land mass. Um, so Australia is quite an attractive uh, opportunity for people, and we have really tight relations with the the West and the East. With obviously India is a major culture, China. Um, they got to people as you know, residents that are wanting to come to Australia. We've got really great education here. 
and then you add on, we've got low housing supply at the moment and we've got an increasing population and a lot of that is through migration because of the opportunities that people are trying to get out of their current situation to move here for you know, more prosperous times because we do have an amazing quality of life and the uh, you know, the studies that go out as like the, the most livable cities in the world, Melbourne has featured there many times um, and those that come to Australia live in Melbourne a lot of them disperse because they prefer you know, different lifestyles like coastal Gold Coast, um, Sunshine Coast, even up to Cairns. And, yeah, living, yeah. guys. You guys are living. Um, so, so, yeah, there's my positive vibe <laughs> on why Australian property long-term is very um, prosperous, but everything works in cycles and markets, and that's both in the residential and the commercial space. So mm-hmm. it's important to you know, de-risk it by getting educated and talking to the right people. Yeah. And so when it comes to adding commercial property into your property portfolio, is there a certain level or certain range or price range that people should, like it's it's a better price range to get into commercial at one level versus like say buying a $150,000 commercial property and if so, why? Because understanding when we should buy commercial property is going to also determine uh when we're able to buy something that is within our risk tolerance. So let's talk about the difference in levels and entry points within commercial. Yeah, so if you're going to a commercial route with a small budget, it's just you're going to have uh, more risk involved mm-hmm. um, because it's more affordable on that front. And you really, from you know, what I've seen, um, it's difficult to try and find a, a high-quality asset under $300,000. Um, not to say that it hasn't in the past, but obviously prices have gone, grown. And um, it comes down to, well, you also looking for capital growth and income as well. So Yeah, it's not just a cash flow grab. Unless you are, you know, and some people, are, unless you are just purely income focused, then you can probably buy that $200,000 um, office space and put a tenant in there and it'll it'll pay for itself in 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but what I've found with investors from in that space is they come to me and they, they love the cash flow, but then they don't like the location because they, they don't feel confident around putting even just $150,000, $200,000 into that location because mm. it's the opportunity cost of, all. Well, what else can I do with my money? Um, and you know, if you're looking into a location, you could have a great tenant in place, um, but you're solely then, if you're only at income, you're only relying on the business that's renting the property. So you're essentially a business investor, not a property investor in my mind. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So commercial property is more like business investing based on like how the business is going to, is perform, is going to perform in that economy or that part of the... It's one part of it. Yeah. And then you never rely on that tenant to be there forever. So you want to you know, de-risk it by going, well, is this a... Who, who is this asset attractive to from a lease perspective could be physio it could be a doctor's surgery it could be just a little cafe um a coffee nook you know you can buy yeah. those little coffee nook lease locations where it's like 10 square meters and a yeah. cafe can, can run it but as you know that the risk of it's high yeah well you've got that many coffee joints and then anyone that's actually good at making coffee we talk about coffee a lot on this podcast. Yeah, even though I don't drink it. <laughs> but you, you drink enough too. Yeah. Like, the reason why, because I've seen it. I've seen good, yeah. good little holes in the wall. They're just small people, small businesses. They've got higher turnover because 
but they're starting out their journey in business and then they, yeah. they, they get a following and then they move to a larger premises in order to make more profit. Mm-hmm. So that's the constant mindset that I'm going into with. Um, they're not there long term. They're just, they're just making a start. And that's not what you want when you're in a commercial deal because typically the longer-term tenants are the ones that are going to allow you to have a higher property value if you sell it because a longer lease uh, is far more attractive for a purchaser Correct. because there's less risk for that new owner of that property. Yeah, and generally speaking, the... um the lower the purchase price for commercial, the higher the tenant turnover, so therefore mm-hmm. the higher maintenance on your time mm-hmm. to you know, be communicating with your property manager or if you're doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also it's costly to get lease agreements drawn up and um, revisited with commercial as well. So, yep. Yep. And also with commercial, the accounting side of things might be a little bit more time intensive. So um, it just gets to that, that point. So well, what is what is your actual goal? If you've got a couple of residentials, a couple of commercials and you're just looking for a you know, an interesting high income play and you've got a couple of hundred grand you want to throw at it, then obviously let's have that conversation. But I'd also be challenging you to think like, well, what's the point of doing it now? If you could maybe stay on your trajectory, two years time, you can then afford a million dollar asset as opposed to a $300,000 asset. Yeah. Okay. So that's a really good point. Does that mean that you would suggest entering, starting to enter the prop, the commercial property market. Once you can afford to buy a million dollar range asset or more, no, no, <laughs> no. I know. So it's it, it depends on the individual's circumstances and what they're trying to achieve. So yeah, later in life, um, you're going into more of a cash flow want phase because you want to you know be a self funded retirement uh, person. Yeah, and what opportunities arise there, like. Um, in the commercial space, uh, you know, having that conversation with a good commercial buyer's agent that is in the industry, they can shed a lot more light onto what the potentials are mm-hmm. for your budget um, and cash flow requirements. Uh, but like everything, there's always there's always risks in it. Um, commercial on paper, it always looks really good, and uh, there's a lot of opportunity in it if you get it right like a lot of opportunity in it if you get it right. Um, but there's also a lot of danger in if you get it wrong, it can you can really financially bankrupt you and undo a lot of the hard work you've done to get to that point. And if you're in the latter stage of your accumulation process, mm. that can unravel many years uh, by getting it wrong. So, and, and what I'm hinting at is you could buy an asset, you could put a couple hundred thousand dollars into it, and then you've got a tenant in there that... You know, their business fails or they, they default or they, they don't renew their lease and then you've been left with a commercial asset in a location and if the economy is pulled back where we're not as you know, prosperous, then you're going to be struggling to find a tenant and you're holding a debt on this property and you've got no income coming through. That's quite stressful. And then you've, in order to get someone in there, you're it's a lot of time and you're also throwing out lease incentives to people. So it's not just the time it's vacant. It's also what incentives you need to get you know, to put forward to these tenants. Sometimes it's, yeah. I'll fit the property out for you or yeah. I'll give just you three keep, months rent. Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. So that can be, um, that can set you back uh, from that point of view. Yeah. So would it typically be safe to assume that the larger the investment price is, um, 
typically the le- the less risk. Like I know that no. Okay. <laughs> In business, I know that you know it's quite clear if you're going to buy a ten to twenty thousand dollar what they would call a business, I call a startup. There's so much more risk in that versus if you're going to buy something for two hundred thousand dollars or up to like you know five hundred thousand dollars in for a business, uh, then you know typically the, the the more established assets the the less risk. So it's not the same with commercial. Uh, it is to a certain price point, right? Um, and what's that price point? That's what I'm trying to draw trying out to, of you. Trying to draw out of me. Yeah. Well, and we won't hold you accountable to it. it it's not really a price point. It, it comes down to the deal itself. So if you've got a, you could have a commercial property, which is highly attractive. Um, you've got a really good tenant in place, like say it's a, a pet barn or something. Um, that pet mm-hmm. barn, if they get up and leave, then you've got a massive commercial premise, which only fits a, a select number of um, business tenants. Yeah. yeah. So then you've got to be able to carry that, that loss carrying forward. Um, you'll obviously rent it out eventually, but that's where... The importance of location research in the commercial space is is really important as well because you want to be de-risking that as much as possible. Um, but you, that's why. What well, do you mean by that? Like, well, you don't want to buy commercial, like, so you also looking for capital growth as well by getting the right location. Is that what you mean by de-risking yeah. there? Or um, well, by getting the right location, you do get better capital growth, but yeah. also it's if that tenant does vacate, that there's a number of tenants in that you know vicinity that. Could potentially lease that property from you as well. Got you. Um, if you're buying in, you know, places that are uh, further out of you know, a dense population, then you're reducing the level of businesses that are surrounding it. So therefore, you're reducing the potential of um, tenants occupying that property from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go further into all like the infrastructure is a great one to track with commercial because businesses need warehouses and um, office space to operate a business in that region um, so looking into that you know it's always good to keep your finger on the pulse like um, at the moment areas of say Gladstone uh, are booming and there's a lot of infrastructure and businesses investment going into that region um, yes it's a strong uh, mining town but there's also you know, a, a lot more going on in regards to the local councils putting in a lot more infrastructure to expand that that region um, a lot more businesses are going in there because there's a lot of growth in the, nat- the renewable space and um, that's kind of why it's it's quite attractive um, with those more businesses coming in you're de-risking it from that point of view but once again if you're going into the that's like three mil plus those bigger um, those bigger assets you're really delving into the lease agreement because you can pay off a commercial property in 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got a 10-year lease, then you know, you're de-risking it every single year because that person's renting it from you. You're paying down the debt. Yeah, You might get to a point where they have a lease renewal, but you've got really low debt on that property. So you can you can wait out longer for mm-hmm. a new tenant because you... It's not going to cost you too much. Yep. Yeah. Wait and wait for a longer tenant, which will actually boost the value of the property when you want to sell it if you, if you do sell it. Yeah, there's strategies in commercial too where you, know, you, you find those properties that uh, have poor lease agreements in place yeah. and if you can strengthen them, then it's a more attractive tenant, therefore lower risk and therefore the capitalization rate that the value will use is lower so it gives you a higher value. There's a bit of a mouthful of that. No, there's, 
so like breaking that down is like people can buy a commercial deal that's got like not the most favorable lease agreement and they could change that to get a better lease agreement a longer term lease agreement which will add value to the property and then they could flip it right mm. just that that's just their cash grab in how they can work right yeah you put a different different hat on too you get creative yeah. like yeah um, you can buy a large industrial freestanding um, property if you can have the ability to put some dividing walls in, you can split the tenancies mm-hmm. up. You're mm-hmm. de-risking it by having four tenants, not one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that requires additional capital, right? So this is yeah. where every every individual circumstance is different, mm. um, and it's like you can make some really good money, but it's like anything. You can make good money in like a residential development, but you yeah depends on the level of cash you've got. Yeah, if, and if yeah, yeah, can you can you afford to do the subdivision and build? on a separate dwelling and stuff like that. So I guess I want to ask you like at what stage in somebody's property portfolio and life would you suggest them moving in, uh, moving away from residential towards commercial Uh, because and why? If they're really hunting for cash flow and um, they've got a reasonable healthy deposit, then I'd be looking at that um, commercial options. Yeah. Um, but obviously explaining to them the, the risks that are involved, but also by holding their hand and, and sort of coaching through that process, we're de-risking it because I, I get to see the deals that come through and I, I punch holes in them um, for them to go back and have those thoughts and discussions. Mm. But there's going to come to a stage where you're going to have to pull the trigger and, um, you know, and ride that wave. But... Um, from like an individual portfolio perspective, the commercial uh, properties, you know, they don't have that sort of a emotional driver. It's more of a business decision based around um, figures, numbers. So I like to see a portfolio with a healthy level of residential and commercial. And you know, for most investors, like it, I just look at it and go, well, if you've got $60,000, you can potentially get into a residential investment. Yeah. If you sixty thousand dollars cash, cash, yeah. yeah. If you don't, if you want to keep saving for you know your commercial in order to get to a, an asset that's got that thirty percent deposit plus your stamp duties and your costs involved, then you're going to be out of the market for longer. Yeah. Could you just buy that residential, get that growth, and then that's helping you essentially save more money as you grow, mm-hmm. and then use that to um, go into commercial. The residential, I look at it it's like you're building your foundations of your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, which are sort of your fundamentals, and they're going to be growing in that capital growth um, prospects, and that's going to help you draw down that equity to get into your higher um, deposit cash flow play. If you've already got the deposit for a, a high a yielding cash flow commercial property, then yeah, let, let's have a look into it and discuss you know, you know the, the the pros and the cons, and if you're open to it and you're you're your portfolio or your, your strategy is more around I want income later in my life, I, I need that, um, then you can just start off on a commercial. But yeah. you just need – there's a lot more education around it and you need to make sure you're asking the right questions and working with the right people because um, it's, a, it's a beautiful asset, right? Like the tenants pay a lot of the outgoings. If at all, um, it's more passive than residential from that point of view. Like if you get it right – it's it's pretty amazing. 
Well, in order to hit your goals, you're going to need to get your mind into a commercial property for passive income. Before we continue today's pod, I want to ask you a few questions. What is your property investment goal? What type of properties do you want to own? How many? What size valuation property portfolio do you want to own? And how much net income do you want to be earning? Essentially, what's your magic number in passive income that you want to be earning? And do you know how to get there? And if you do, do you know how to get there in the least time possible with the least amount of risk? Sam and I have been helping people invest in property and build property portfolios for years. People who are now replacing their income through property and we want to help you do the same. Right now, for a limited time, we are offering free property coaching to our listeners. We won't be able to do this forever, of course, so head to propertypals.au forward slash coaching. That's propertypals.au forward slash coaching to see how we can help you achieve your investment property goals. Link will be in the description too. Because just for me, it's, it's like I hear people like, yeah, I've bought 15 properties and 10 properties. I'm like, cool. Like, but how much, you know, I mean, you're getting capital growth there. Great. It's awesome. But like, how much money are you making? And like, can you turn that into more wealth? And how fast can you turn that into, into, into more wealth where it just looks like, you know, it's good for, you know, people's egos. Like, yeah, I bought all these properties. Sick, man. Like, that's great. But like, what if like you've got so much 15 properties, you've got a bit of maintenance and work to deal with versus like if you could roll a bunch of those in or deposits that you had into commercial and you have less assets but better assets and you're building your wealth faster with less work, yeah. why not Why not go down that route, right? That's the way I look at it. It's like I don't want like this. <laughs> it's contrary to what most people say is like you want like 10 passive income streams. And I went down that route, and I just think it's dumb. Mm. It might for for me. I think too many passive income streams is like, why would I bother with? I mean, if it's full passive and I don't have to talk to anybody, even residential is supposed to be like the most passive investment you can have. You still got work there, and I just think why not have less assets, making more money, put to better use, and, and less work. Yeah, I'm a proponent of that as well. There's You've got to understand the people that are marketing to you to you know buy ten properties, yeah, and sell they're five. They're going to win, yeah. If they're buying ten properties for you, then they're taking their fees out of it every single time. They, and yeah, exactly. And that's where you come to like buyers agents. Like we just do residential because it's the best asset. And you know, like, well, hang on a second. Like, yeah, it is. Like, let's not let's not say it's not good and it's like an awesome place to start for sure. And not everybody can get to that commercial play. Uh, with those larger assets as well, so you can do joint ventures into commercial as well. Yeah, you, you, um, and you can work with some some um, really, I guess, influential people in the space that have done it before, and you can sort of dip your toe in. Mm. There's many ways around it, and there's no like oh, maybe I'm a bit contrarian in. Um, there's no perfect property, you know. There's, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, what suits you, your your current situation, your risk tolerance? And it might just be that maybe property isn't for you as well. Yeah. Like maybe shares is the shares is a lot more passive. Um, you don't get the leverage. Absolutely. ETFs, good Vanguard fund, you just chuck some cash in there and, you know, you can get 8% at the moment and you don't have to talk to anyone yeah. and just, just load it in there, you know, DCA in. Yeah, you can get dollar cost average. And dollar cost, yeah. You can... Um, you can also do margin um, trading with with shares, so you can get that leverage as well. But 
then that's <laughs> it, it, the shares is an emotional roller coaster. And yeah, there's people out there that are really great at shares and they understand it more than what I do. So I just I sort of step back and say, well, you know, there's yeah, a million ways to make money. Yeah. Um, it's just picking the, the one that suits you. And we we're just talking about it off air before is like, well, trying to focus in on what actually lights you up in your, in your day. Like, do you, yeah. do you wake up energized going, oh, yes, I get to do this today. Like, I woke up this morning and was, like, wide awake and getting ready this time we could come um, and do this podcast with Jared. It's kind of it's fun, you know? Yeah. So that is the, the journey of what I think people should really start to focus in on because you can have – you can make – 500,000 bucks a year but if you're stressed out of your brain you're not spending time on your health or your family or your good relationships then you're going to get burnt out and you're going to sit back 10 years later and go fuck is that worth it yeah and it's and it's you know thinking about it if if we relate to, to people's property portfolio journey there's a bit of work that goes into getting uh getting finance from a bank right like driving around getting things signed and like just making sure things get across the line and all these documents you need to fill out and read and sometimes you need to get solicitors and lawyers to look at things depending but like and you're doing that in like with 15 10 15 properties and then you're working a full-time job and you're trying to just drive this thing where it's like hang on a second can we slow down and look at a different route maybe like let's buy less let's like buy less of these residentials and like at what stage do we decide to go let's let's buy a larger asset that is going to grow in capital growth with some good cash flow and put that into commercial. And my question to you, Sam, is like, at what stage does somebody, and this is what I'm thinking about now personally, is like, what stage do I go, all right, if I go and spend some cash on buying another residential, like, what's, like, that can, that can slow me down and getting closer to buying a commercial. Right. You, can, you can slow you down to get to your passive income goal. If you're just going yeah. residential, residential, it's eating up your borrowing capacity every single time. Um, you'll get there eventually, and with a residential portfolio, you're going to like. It depends on what growth rate you put into it, but mm. historically, it does grow greater in capital growth, and that's just an average though too. So, um, obviously, the markets we're buying into from a residential is is superior because we've put a lot of time and effort and money into like we just talked about that 25 percent growth in in nine months yeah you know you 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 can get that you can get that in commercial too um but then it depends on the cycle you're in see i'm i'm very obviously 34 haven't been through obviously came up during the gfc periods i saw that it was Mm. quite um, interesting to see but uh, i am very mindful of like we do we run in cycles and we haven't seen hard times here for a while and just I'm more risk averse because I'm trying to yeah, anticipate if that time did come, did come, which inevitably is going to come. Yeah, how would the how would the portfolio fare in that yeah, time? Yeah, that's a really good thing to bring up: is risk your own personal risk tolerance. Some people that stick to the route of residential and they buy five to ten residential properties, and I know that pe- people have done this or more, is because they are they, their risk tolerance is like very i don't know whether you call it high or low but like they don't want too much risk and they haven't moved in the commercial play because they're like i'm safe and i'm happy and they're young and they're they're doing good and they don't need to go and like get like put something into a higher possibly a higher risk for a higher return 
Yeah, well, that's sort of like my point going into, you know, were you choosing commercial or resi? Yeah. But they're both great strategies. You can just go all commercial and you can yeah. you can do really well. Um, you can go all residential and do really well. Uh, I like to, yeah, have a balance of both mm. because blend. it's just like, it's just diversification, you know, different locations, different asset types. When I invest in shares, crypto, but my main source of, I guess, wealth is property because mm. I've, I've studied it, I've worked in it for 15 plus years. Like it's just... What you think? Why, why would you not when you know so much mm-hmm. about it? And I'm still learning every single day. I mean, it, it's crazy just to... I mean, you said this before. It's like how much you learned in the last five years. Imagine where you're going to be in five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's cool, you know, and like getting exposure to different thought processes and different people and different opportunities. Um, I mean, the development space is... Is always interesting, but for me, it's too time intensive. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I'm not in that get rich quick. Let's become a developer and you know make a couple hundred grand a year from just a development. Because so I'm much like, work in it. Hey, what's the point? Like my property's gone up a couple hundred grand a year. I did nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so going back to the commercial side, the residential component, generally speaking, will increase in value you know throughout the compounding effects of time over commercial. Um, whereas the commercial will have that greater income. So you'll reach your passive income target faster through commercial. Um, however, you know, if it all, all went to, you had to sell everything you know, in 30 years time, the chances are you'll have more wealth in your, like the, your net wealth in residential, but um, then you've got to figure out, well, what is it that you're actually trying to achieve that passive income target from, my perspective is quite important because it frees up your time for you to enjoy what life is about. And it's not about working. It's not about investing. It's about just making the most of you know the time that you have on this world, which we don't know how long we actually have. Yeah, exactly. You can do so much more with the with the income coming in than it's sitting in you know um, capital within a property, um, capital growth within a property, or equity within a property. The way I think about it is like the feeling of knowing like it's very different like the feeling of knowing that you may have 10 residential properties and you've got a fair bit of equity in all of them and you could pull that equity out and use that for cash to fund your lifestyle or whatever but at the same time you've got you've got to have to pay off that in interest whatever you take out as well or you could sell them sell sell down some and then you you know you can get a bit of a cash and you can use that to to live that feeling i believe is very different than owning a property and knowing it's giving you or a couple of commercial properties and knowing it's giving you enough cash flow to live the life that you want without having to take anything from anywhere and i think that feeling that that emotional feeling of just going like oh yeah i've got this amount of cash that i need to live this sort of lifestyle is so different than having it in equity or in a multitude of properties that you can't sort of touch, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if your work that you do lights you up and you're just looking for places to store your wealth, mm-hmm. residential is a pretty simple, easy process to go down. But I'd always challenge you along the way and mm-hmm. say, well, we've got, if I see multiple portfolios, you know, with you know, a lot of residential exposure, you know, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy picking it apart and going, well, 
you've got a few units here, haven't done, have, hasn't done much growth, I don't perceive it doing much growth in the future, so let's do risk it, let's get out of that, go into a growth asset, Yeah. stick into resi, you've, or you're really heavy in residential, you've got good assets, yeah, have you been thought? Have you thought about commercial? Because yeah, um, you know it's it's a great it's, it's a great asset. Mm. Um, and if you start learning about it, it, you understand what I'm talking about. It's um, it's another it's a, like another level of property game, mm. right? Like I think that's why I'm being drawn to it. It's like the learning so much like it's like you can do like you said you, you can do so much in residential sell down units buy high capital growth properties you know more cash flow more capital growth and have a blend of that just within residential but then you know playing that game and then moving to like the residential uh, the commercial is like whoa that's like a, it's a whole new world and with your mindset too um being a business owner you understand business so a big part of analyzing properties for residential is the you know, Direct comparison, like with like, similar properties, understand the value, and then you can quickly look at rents. It's not the hardest thing to build confidence around. Mm. The different layer of commercial is you're doing that, generally you're putting offers through with a 28-day or 60-day due diligence clause, and obviously you don't want to, you want, you don't want to weaken your offer by having a long due diligence period. Yeah. Um, so it depends on the market you're in, but you're analyzing the business that's leasing the property from you. That's mm. a key part, and you're asking a lot of questions, and knowing... What to ask is a very great way to start. You know, like I like to delve into, well, what's the business doing? What's their plans? Um, what are these lease agreements? Can we tighten up these lease agreements? Um, and I, I can see the value in a commercial buyer's agent um, a, a lot, yeah, a lot uh, for what they do for, the, yeah, for, their, for their money. The ROI of investing in a commercial buyer's agent is definitely worth it, right? Yeah, and um, the hard part is that. Yeah, there's there's a number of them out there. There's not many. There's not as many as residential, um, but even the like everything, the, the ones with the biggest marketing campaigns and, and the, the largest market exposure, they may not be the right ones for you because they've got so many people in the books. You've got this long wait time, and mm. you're just in the number in the queue. We've experienced that, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I'm sort of excited about it. I like the the valuing of commercial too, and the maintenance is is lower. Um, and if you're getting like those industrial sheds, just two concrete walls yeah. and a roof, right? So cool. So that's the, that's a good point. There's so many different types of commercial. Yeah. I think coming back to your point of like what lights you up is like for people making the decision where they're going to stick with residential or uh, you know move into commercial. That's a really big factor of like what excites you and and how can you have more fun investing in yeah. your property portfolio in the way that you do like for example if you love buying land with a house and subdividing and doing that in residential and you can do that really well great or if you just like buying lots of units but you know stick with stick with that if you love that game you can continue doing it or if you just want to check you know a different challenge or you know something a little bit different then you can move to commercial as well so it doesn't need to be just about the the cash flow or the capital growth and how you, you know, you just build your portfolio based on building wealth. It can be about enjoying the journey too. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I could rattle. Like, there's a strategy, there's a guy on the Gold Coast who he just has a niche and he finds units in, mm -hmm. in good spots where high rise is going up around it. So it's a lot of marketing to that area. He 
basically buys established older properties and then does a full gut job, renovates it, sells it within three months, and he makes a couple hundred grand a year. Just keeps flipping properties, and he's got his. What's his name? Because I, I met somebody like five years ago. I don't know I if was, he wants me to tell a okay, yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a he's got a, a brand that like people know. No, him. no, he just, okay, he, yeah. just all his own cash, right? Is it a couple? No. Okay, yeah, sweet. Different different people then. Yeah, but the um and then there's this yeah, there's the Airbnbs of the world, which I challenge once again, Byron Bay just released that you know, there is a maximum of sixty days per year that you can rent out your property on a short-term accommodation stay. Whoa. So that whole the Airbnb strategy that a lot of people have been pushing the last few years and is why I've never pushed it is because there's just so many complexities with that. When a new um, cash flow stream and property comes out, you've just got to be cautious. I like to sit on the sidelines and wait for a few things to evolve. And I have heard of somebody in the Byron Bay area buy like 10 to 15 or 20 properties just for Airbnb in that area and to be all in on that without the diversification, like that could be a move to go, well, do I need some commercial properties in Byron Bay? Like buy some of those big warehouses that like stone and wood and all these, you know, new fancy la-di-da breweries are going into, you know, pull some cash off the table from them guys. I mean, you've got assets in Byron Bay. It's not a bad thing. Hopefully, it's got a lot of growth. It's going nuts lately, and you just put a tenant in there. The whole yeah. uh, is we are undersupplied, and they're trying to figure out ways that have an immediate impact to help mm. people have housing. And um, It's smart for the local government to do it that way. Yeah, it's a good thing too. It'll slow down the growth of Byron Bay with less tourism. January. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. Um, I don't know. There's... There's, there's still a lot of hotels. Or it could, and it, it could slow down the growth of tourism, but it could increase, like, because it's, um, it could increase the property prices for homeowners there. Mm. Yeah, or it could, well. could decrease because it's been overinflated because everyone's been buying 10 to 15 Airbnbs, you know, buying back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and everybody's sick of paying, like, $500 a, a day in parking. <laughs> yeah, no, go for a surf. And- <laughs> I have to pay to go for a surf now. Woo. Yeah, it takes the fun out of it. Um, but yeah, there's uh, that's another key point is diversify. I mean, if you've got a strategy, yeah. it's great. Um, but like, I wouldn't just sit on one. And that's like, if you're just pure Airbnb plays, mm-hmm. now, yeah, have that mind and always be challenged your thought process. And, and like, the residential space is always safe because you need houses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, will there be changes in the future where the government start, you know? taxing you for like investors obviously have a higher cost of holding than own occupiers they have to pay high rates they have landlord insurance etc um, but yeah. um, you know you've got to have a go and you've got to be doing something with your money otherwise you're going to like you're fighting if you're just constantly saving your way to retirement then you're fighting inflation which is going up you know they say two to three percent per year is a target but you can take into account true inflation it runs around seven to eight uh, you know, you, you're actually going backwards and it's, it's just harder path to save your way to financial freedom than it is to invest in smarter assets. Oh, it's a really good way. To, it's a really good mindset to have of like fighting inflation versus putting inflation on your side. Because when you go from having cash to investing in assets like property that grow with inflation and the economy... And you're fixing your debt in, in the past also was actually the opposite effect. So that cost of the debt is getting cheaper by you doing nothing. Absolutely. 
it just compounds. Like that's that great book, um, The Debt Millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, which we'll have to talk about. So to wrap this up, basically, when's the right time to get into commercial for you and your property portfolio? There's a number of factors, right? It's one, when do you want uh, more cash flow um, and still get a bit of a capital play? And then it can be a personal thing on based on where you're at in terms of your own age and your own risk tolerance, but also like where you're at with mental stimulation and fun in your property portfolio. Do you want a little bit more of a challenge um, or you know learn something new and move away from residential? Um, there's so many different factors to consider. So and diversification and diversification for sure. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, cost opportunity. You know, opportunity cost. I should say mm-hmm. as well. Something to consider, which. We didn't really touch on here, um, but we will in, in more pods. But yeah, and if you're thinking about, well, I still don't know what to go down. Just choose the go back, zoom out, look at the bigger picture. If you're trying to get to a certain goal, whether it's called retirement or um, you know having a exposure to something else, like look at that and work your way backwards if um, that always helps and having that, that wide-angled approach and then delving deeper and deeper into it. Because it, it could be that you might think that you are a commercial buyer and then you get further into the deal flow and you realise, actually, maybe this is not for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, because I don't need to uh, I don't need to take on a certain level of, mm. of risk and maybe my portfolio is perfect the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and people handle stress differently as well. Like maybe it's a bit more stressful than you than somebody else getting into, you know, I love an environment where I need to learn more and, you know, some people are like, F that, why, why would I bother? And good for them. Like <laughs> I'd probably rather be in that boat too. But yeah, um, yeah if, the, if people have, you know, are still thinking about it and they're just internally processing this and digesting it themselves at home, don't do it yourself. Like reach out to us, hello at propertypowers.au. We can help you structure your property portfolio to get you to where you want to go with less stress and more fun and more wealth. Yeah. Just, just reach out. Hello at Property Pals today. You. Forward slash coaching. Yes. Yes. Check that <laughs> one out. We put that one in. Basically, it's all about like, let's, ha- let's have a few conversations. I'll put you on the right direction so between Jared and myself and the team here and, uh, you know, it, at least get you thinking and point you to the right people to have the right discussions with and, uh, yeah. You'll, you'll enjoy something in the conversation and uh, yeah, it'll be good to sort of meet people that are listening as well. As, mm. um, and also leave some questions if you have any. Like, it, it's a, There's always a bit of a gestation period with property and it's good for you to understand the people that you're getting involved in because uh, there's some really great people out there that are, that are wanting to help and there's also some really poor people out there that are all about themselves. So yeah, good try to avoid those ones. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys.